Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd, how are you doing today, buddy? Good, how are you doing? Oh, good, good. We have finally started to warm up from our deep freeze here. And uh, you've had some cold weather too, hey? Yeah, we got down to 10 or 11 here a couple nights and tonight as well. Yeah. And it doesn't help to be without power and or heat. Oh, man. That sucks. That sucks. You know, it's funny because I never ever think about like people in the southern half of the United States ever having cold weather, you know, but man, the, the whole country's getting hit with a doozy right now. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, uh, um, it's, it's purely coincidence. I get it, but it's, I think of it as my fault. Uh, when I left England and got stationed in Montana, uh, I got there in mid, uh, July 5th of one year. And, we actually had snow in July a couple of days later. And then that oh, wow. win- that winter of 92 into 93 was the coldest winter um, since like 1901 or something, right? Yeah. Uh, and then in 96, we moved to Florida. And then while we were there, we had ice storms in Tampa. <laughs> we had a little bit of snow, uh, the worst hurricanes. Uh and then we moved to Missouri after that. And every year we were there, we had uh, record-breaking ice storms. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when you had ice storms there, we had three, four inches thick of ice. I mean, they, they didn't play there. Uh, wow. Then we moved there to Maryland, uh, right outside of D.C., and that's when we had snowpocalypse and all that mess. We actually had three yeah. or four blizzards while we lived there. Uh, and then we moved to Tennessee, and now, you know, this happened, so yeah. Coincidence, maybe, you're, maybe not. You're the lowest common denominator. I'm like <laughs> the I'm like the cold weather locust. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Is he down in Texas, man? They got like some gr- cold weather there. Oh, it's crazy. Oh and you know God. what? You know I kind. I, I saw some Texas cold weather memes that I swear made me you know choke. I was laughing so hard. Yeah, because Texas is it's like fun. they they think of themselves as like you know you know manly men and manly women, you know nothing yeah. Texas can't handle. They get a little bit of cold weather and they shut down and hide under the desk. <laughs> I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. But it sure makes the whole global warming. That's why they had to quit calling it global warming, right? It's like, oh man, this this narrative isn't working all the time. So let's just call it climate change, <laughs> which is kind of what seasons are. <laughs> You know, well, climate you know, hasn't ever fun. been the same since the earth was created. Um, it's a system in flux, right? It, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, have people made it better or worse? I don't know. Probably. I mean, we humans have done some crazy stuff in the last 200 years. Uh, you know, mostly Europe and China continues to pollute if that's going to be a thing. Um, mm-hmm. More, I think. 
in the last five years, China has pumped more pollution into the atmosphere than America has in its history. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, A lot of that, too, is fueled by American and like North American consumerism. Right, they're building Absolutely. all that stupid crap that goes to, to Walmart that people buy, and then it's like, what's so cheap? I need three of them, you know. Yeah, and then um, everybody, you know, uh, I, I don't want to get off on this tangent, but the lithium ion battery situation in the world right now, you know, maybe it's the mm-hmm. best thing we got going right now, but you talk about killing the earth, good God. Um, oh, yeah. I think we're strip mining Canada for all the raw material, building ships to ship it over to uh, China so they can, you know, produce all the raw materials into lithium ion batteries and then ship it back over here in even more new ships. Yeah. Yeah. Using diesel fuel. um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, people, uh, well, I was going to say two things. If if you go back, I think it was in the early 70s, there's a cover of Time magazine, and they said the world is freezing. And in the 70s, they're actually thinking about, and I've even heard that they did, they're building heat generation plants because we're going into global freezing. And there's a cover of Time magazine, and it's got like New York City, and it's just basically entirely under ice. It's kind of this interesting you know, kind of a shot from a distance, but it's like these uh, glaciers almost are forming around New York City. And then now, you know, a couple of years ago, they had a cover of Time magazine with, with the world on fire, right? And it's like, man, so fickle. Somehow we think, you know, we could be born at a time, study something for five to 10 years, and all of a sudden we know, we know how the earth cycles, right? <laughs> Depending on what you believe, the earth's been around for 6,000 years, or millions of years, but honestly, even if it's the the smallest number, right? So I'm a scientist. The world has been here for 6,000 years. When I propose a theory, I might be 40, 50, 60 years old, and somehow I think I know what's happened (laughs) for this whole thing. You know what I mean? It's just incredible how how overly smart uh, the, the scientific community thinks they are. And it's like, maybe the world has thermal cycles. Maybe those glaciers were formed, and if they're thawing out now, maybe that's how it works. You know? Um, it's so ridiculous. And then, like you're saying with the, the lithium ion, and this is the whole problem I have with this climate change crap, is it? it's all just a political thing. It's a narrative because, you know, uh, Elon Musk is considered this green hero, right? He's got, he's got the Tesla, and electric vehicles are the future. Um, I'm sorry, but but that guy has done more to kill this entire, you know, for the eco. He's done more harm to the environment than I will my entire life. He probably does with one of his stupid little SpaceX launches, right? Hey, let's try and explore a different world. By doing that, I'm going to crap all over this one, you know, thousands of gallons of fuel and, and burn carbon, you know, into the atmosphere and stuff. But I'm the hero because I have electric batteries, which, by the way, uh, he doesn't have an electric bar- battery farm in California, contrary to popular belief. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same thing with these windmills. People are like, oh, it's a wind turbine. That's so nice. I'm like, no, it's not. That thing has to that thing has to run for a hundred years in order to offset the coal and the coke that were burned to make the steel for that. So people say it's green energy. It's not yet. If you have a windmill, it's a hundred a wind turbine that's 125 years old, depending on its maintenance life schedule, it could possibly be getting to the point where, yes, it's offset the emissions burned to make that tower, you know, but people are just so 
stupid. They're like, oh, wow. It's green. Cool. I heard the green. I'm, I'm good. Done. I checked my brain at the door. Ridiculous. <laughs> but, well, people have been doing that long before green energy was a thing uh, with other kinds of science. You know, it yeah. just, I, we're sick. We're hurting. We have achy joints. I've got polio. I've got this. I've got that. You know what will make it better? If you come down to Arkansas and sit in our hot water and pay me money to sit there, it makes it all better. And, you know, people will run to anything if there's hope. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and it's so, and it's even worse when people's lives are destroyed by science. Um, You know, carbon dating uh, you only trust it because it's carbon dating, but how do you know it's right? You, there's absolutely no yeah. way. There's no way of I knowing know. that's right. And the same, yeah, not the same exact people, but the same educational, institutional train of people that came up with carbon dating, came up with bullet striation testing to prove this gun that this guy owned killed this woman, right? Because they fired the same bullets. Well, now they find out that bullet striation testing is not accurate at all. Yeah. All right. Um, and there's actually some fingerprint, uh, old fingerprint technology that wasn't accurate either. And just think of uh-huh. all the people that were convicted over that shit. I mean, that stuff. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I get really passionate about um, society convicting someone just because they want that case closed, not because the person's yeah. actually guilty. And it yeah. happens so often. I think the most people think that, you know, politics and religion is the most corrupt group of people there are. And it's arguable. But I think that um, police and prosecution, as it relates to uh, investigating and finding the right person that committed a crime mm-hmm. is the most corrupt because you have police and prosecutors and courts have all of the, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, ah, Todd, words, ah, words hurt. Um, Not resources. I have no clue where you're going with this, but no, they when you have uh, a stake in finding out, it, it, you have Interest? all of the do what uh, the motives. No motivation. Yes, uh, it's okay. not the word, but it works. Um, they have all the motivation in the world to close the case, mm-hmm. not to find the right person. Because and and I say that that way because your your society, your public, your constituents, your town, your county, your state, whatever it is uh, that you're the prosecutor for, expects you to find the person that's committing these crimes, so we feel safe. And you know, and that's what we're pushing them for. And then they feel all that pressure, and we just need to find somebody to convict for this. You know, that might not be the, what's yeah. in their head. You know, that might not be their motivation for doing it, 
might be, but it might not be. But subconsciously, yeah. that's what's grinding those gears. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it all. The, I've seen it a lot when I was a uh, paralegal on both sides of the fence, defense and prosecution. Uh, because unlike most paralegals in the jobs I did, I could help investigate help build the case, help argue the case. You know, I was right there in the courtroom with her. Uh, hmm. Anyway, uh, that's not really important, but there's a, on the Discovery Channel, there was a a woman, she was a prosecutor out of Texas, a uh, very infamous prosecutor out of Texas, uh, quote, unquote, I never lost a case. Well, you know why? <laughs> you know why? You were hiding exculpatory evidence from the defense, and it's been proven. Um, you were just railroading people through, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to seek the death penalty and you know, Texas kills people, right, Bobby? Well, if you plead guilty, I'll take death penalty off the table. I mean, she had one of the greatest mm-hmm. tools in the world and Bobby yeah. may not have anything to do with the crime, but He'd, she can convict me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen yeah, uh, in the name of public safety, right? Oh yeah. Like what? They want people to feel safe. Uh, that's, I think that's all that stuff that's going on with this. The Wuhan sniffles we're going through. Um, that's all it you is. Know, there's, there's only, yeah, public safety. And and there's a, there's you can only say so much. But you know, September 11th, I was working at an airport, Eagle, Colorado, and um, then that I was working at airline baggage industry, and obviously that had a significant impact on it. And I always thought it was weird how the first thing they did was they did the the TSA, thousands standing around, right? That's why they're able to hire tens of thousands of people overnight. And they started ex- like uh, screening for explosives. And I'm like, wait a minute, September 11th had nothing to do with explosives. <laughs> the explosive was the airplane, right? And and they do this EDS screening. And it was funny because we worked with this consultant company called Battelle, and they basically wrote the entire protocol. We worked with them, um, you know, on, on writing the EDS protocol for the TSA. And when it comes down to it, there's only so, so much you can actually say, but ultimately the, the fact of the matter is it's designed for passengers to feel safe. If say, if you got all your screening machines and every single one of them went down at one airport at one time, every bag would get onto the airplanes because there's so much money at loss if if people's baggage like it's just such a nightmare for the airlines you got southwest airlines with 300 flights a day out of baltimore and they don't have any bags on those planes that will cost them millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of unsatisfied customers right so if every screening system goes down on default every bag's clear you know what i mean but the, the, they don't want the public to know that <laughs> you know it's like oh and that's i don't think i'm saying too much but Ultimately, all these things are designed just to make people feel safe. And I think it's because people can't handle the reality. And then also the same thing with all this uh, green energy, right? And how you talk about pollution and, and, and China's polluting because we're buying stuff. People won't take personal responsibility. It's like, yeah, you know what? In the opulent lifestyle of the United States of America that we live and in Canada, Western culture, we waste a lot of stuff on ourselves. You know, we are incredibly energy selfish compared to the rest of the world. You know, I mean, India does a lot of polluting, but most people in India do not use as much energy as we do. They don't eat as much as we do. You know, and it, and it comes to a point where 
if you want to say, okay, you know, if you actually want to make a difference, I think you buy less crap, you know, just buy less stuff. You don't need to own all the crap that you own. And you don't need to buy all the junk from Walmart and this and that. But that take that takes personal responsibility. And I have to actually look honestly at myself and judge myself. I don't want to do that. I'd rather just, you know, pay a carbon tax and, and have the government tell me that these windmills are going to fix the problem. Cool. Good. Okay, now can I get another, you know, whatever it is you're buying all the time from Walmart? And it, it's just so stupid. It's ridiculous. You know, people that, you know, it's like, oh, save the environment. Uh, and not that there's anything wrong with, with makeup, but when you think about the the usefulness of makeup, I mean, maybe in, a, <laughs> in like a, you know, if you can put it very traditionally in like in a, in a mating season or if you're trying to find a spouse, you want to look good. But ultimately, cosmetics are terrible for the <laughs> environment, right? But you could never preach that to North American women. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's like you're putting on makeup. That's actually polluting the world, like legitimately. What, what do you mean? Everything we do does. And, and that's what people can't handle. Every single thing you do has an energy cost to it. And if you really want to be an environmentalist, you cut out every unnecessary thing to your life and enjoy sitting out in a field eating grass. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know, it's so silly. It's such a weird argument. And, and it man, it's incredible. It's, it's so pervasive. People just drink that Kool-Aid too. It's like, yes, I want to save the world. I want to be an environmentalist, you know? Yes. Greta Thunberg, how dare you? It's like, shut up. I saw shut in, up. When I worked in DC, I saw one of those uh clean energy Mother Earth uh protest. And there was a woman yeah. there, and she was one of the top three people in this organization uh that started in out in uh California stand and uh just <laughs> She had, it was in the summer, so she was sitting there in a just nasty wife beater, uh, had on a, you know, she's got dreads, hadn't washed her hair in 25 years, proud of it, doesn't take a, doesn't bathe, here. you know, yeah. doesn't bathe, doesn't, you know, groom herself, nothing. She looks like a, uh, she's white, and she was born in San Francisco or San Diego, I can't remember and don't care. Uh, she's about the same age as me, probably never been out of the country, but she looks like an aboriginal. And I'm like, yeah, really? You're you're yeah. disgusting. Now, she's preaching Mother Earth, right, and save the earth, and everything's evil. Drinking Starbucks and tweeting on her iPhone. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, uh, you're stupid. Yeah. You you are supporting and, and, two of the worst uh, corporations for not just polluting but for uh, human rights. Yeah, yeah. Is if if well, you know this from some of your past uh, in some of the places you you live and been to with the coffee industry. Uh, some of the farms that Starbucks leases are horrendous to the environment and to their, their workers. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Whatever. And you know, it's, it, it's funny, like that same person now with the dreadlocks and you know what, she would be, uh, she'd be canceled in, in this culture because of cultural pro- appropriation, right? Well, wait a minute. You got, you got dreadlocks and you're not black. Are you kidding me? It's so funny. This train of thought just, 
Starts well, she would get away with it because she's a lesbian. Yeah, that's true. So that's she's true. got her. They'll give her her little get out of jail free card. Get out of yeah. cancel culture free card. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. But uh, anyways, you know, we started off hot and heavy, <laughs> ruffled a bunch of feathers, I'm sure. But in the same line with uh, with batteries and destroying the environment, I bought some new tools. <laughs> some new cordless tools. Awesome. Because, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not an environmentalist and I want to do my part to destroy the planet. And so I'm buying a bunch of tools that run on batteries that uh, I probably really don't need, but they sure do make my life nice. <laughs> well, um, real quick, before we get into that, because um, you talked about us getting into this hot and heavy this morning, uh, yep. a little too deep. Well, you know, it's a conversation between two friends, and sometimes friends talk that way. And if any audience member is offended, please feel free not to listen. No one is forcing you. I didn't take your finger and make you hit play. And I'm certainly not making yeah. you continue to listen. Yep. This is a conversation between Todd and Jeremy. And if you don't want to eavesdrop, leave. But don't exactly. try to, you know, don't try to say we don't have the right to have a conversation between two friends. I don't care what you and your friends talk about. So don't care about what me and my friends talk about. Just saying. Exactly. And so, this is one of the few places you can actually hear conversations like this. The world has gone soft as a bad banana. Nobody can talk about real things anymore, right? No, you can't. You're not allowed. Um, no. My, one of my doctors, and I, the day I found out I didn't have cancer, blood cancer, my uh, do, that doctor, he, he actually surprised me because most of the doctors I've, got, I've had uh, dealing with this issue are just raging liberal. And I'm like, how can you be so smart in medicine and so stupid in life? Yeah. But this guy, I don't know what his political views are, and I don't, I don't care. Um, but we actually had a down-to-earth conversation about things not related to blood or cancer, and he was just so intelligent to the, I mean, where he saw to the core of something. And not necessarily did we agree on everything, but he was able to see to its core in a way that only common sense lets you. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you are so rare. And he was saying that to me too. He's like, dude, you are so rare as a patient. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it is it's rare nice. nowadays that, because uh, how do you even start conversations with strangers? Um, how do you break through that fear wall that, oh my God, they're not going to be normal. You know, they're going to mm-hmm. be one of those cancel culture weirdos. Yeah. And then I'm going to have to kill him. And... <laughs> Not, no, that's, that's taking a little far there, Todd. You know, I I used to. I don't mean I, literally. I, no, I know, I know. But um, I don't mean you know, that I, I would actually take a baseball bat, <laughs> cave in their head, drag them out here in the middle of nowhere. Dig a, I don't mean any of that. No. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's funny. When I was young, like a young man. And I think this might be kind of true of all young men. I literally didn't care. Like, I was just like, I I would say things that I knew would be offensive to people just so I could watch them like, oh, are you kidding me? And then I was, it would kind of give me so much energy and I'd get all jacked up that they wouldn't even respond to me. And now I'm always like, Ugh. I, 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 first of all, I think it takes a lot of mental energy and, and just physical stamina and it's one of these things. And let's see if you've been a real young man at one point in your life and you know what it's like. It's like like literally there's nothing that can stop you. 
you know, you can conquer anything, you can do anything you want, and you're just like, you got so much testosterone coursing through your veins. I wish I had more of that now because there's all these, these uh, we got this vinyl cutter, and I always want to put these, like, statements on my vehicle, but then I'm like, Ugh, if I drive around and I get one person, like, honking and fingering at me, I'm just going to be like, uh, then what are you going to do? Am I going to finger them back, and they're going to swipe it? And it's just like, it's not even worth it anymore. You know, it's kind of like... Uh, offending a complete moron isn't worth your energy. You know what I mean? And maybe it's just part of wisdom. Maybe you know, if you spend your whole life just like, I'm going to fight everyone. I'm going to make everyone mad at me. I'm going to say offensive things. I'm going to, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it has its place. It's funny. Just I'm make like, a I little cardboard sign. Just get <clears> like a little piece of poster board, white uh, or light colored and write on and, you know, tape it to a paint stir stick. So you have a little sign in your car. <laughs> yeah. um, and just put on it. You're right. I'm a jerk. That's true. You could do that. And, and you know, when I, they I wanna... flip you off, just hold it up. You know, so you're yeah. just agreeing with them, and it'll piss them That's off true. even more. <laughs> That's right. Yes, I'm just an asshole. You know, like one thing I want to put. I want to put this thing on the back of my car because my car's all got blacked out windows, and I want white lettering, big ones, like half of the window. It says COVID nineteen, and then underneath it, in slightly smaller letters, like world's most popular flavor of Kool Aid. Drink it up, sheeple. You know, because I'm sure I'd get a lot of people on here to give me a big old thumbs up. And then some people get mad. But what they're starting to do now, the government wants to seek uh, the ability to actually jail people who are spreading false information about COVID. So basically, if you have a difference of opinion now, they're trying to, and it, it, I don't think it's happened yet, but they're pursuing that. If you have a difference of opinion on this thing, you could go to jail, Right. In Canazuela, Canadastan. Well, I don't know. We'd have to ask our brand new fact checkers that came into existence all of a sudden. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's no more political fact checking on Facebook now that Trump's out. Sorry. That's funny. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, anyways. I got got fact checked on... uh, about something I said about Sasquatch, our new vice president. Oh, really? Yeah, they couldn't prove it wasn't true, but they deleted it anyway. Because huh. what I put on there was absolutely true. Uh, our new vice president is a complete idiot um, on some things. You know, I'm pretty sure she's smart on something. You know, if we look hard enough, we'll, we'll find it. But... <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, I'm not, there's got to be something there. She's smart. Everybody's smart at something. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just not. She's not a world event economist, uh, foreign affairs, political genius. She's just not. And she'd said some things back when she worked with Nancy Pelosi on her staff uh, that I have found and kept and I reposted and people fact checked it, but. And they deleted it, but they can't prove it's not true because she said it. And, you know, mm-hmm. if she's the source that I'm using that she said it, you can't disprove it. Yeah. No kidding. Ay, ay, ay. And I call her Sasquatch people, one, because she looks like a monster, and two, she believes in Sasquatch. She literally said, I, well, you know, you can't prove he's not it. Real, so there's a chance that he is real. What? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what? 
Yeah. Well, in that case, you you can't prove there's not a God, so that means there is. Yeah. You know, I, I you know I think everybody should have their uh, belief. You believe there's a God. You believe there's a Sasquatch. Good for you. That's great. I don't have to. And here's the thing. I can say that I don't, and you should leave me alone, and you can say that you do, and I'll leave you alone. Fair deals? But it's, it's become so uh, so flip-turned that, you know, they can be loud and boisterous, but if you have a difference of opinion, like with this whole COVID, with this whole government, I really don't think COVID-19 is that bad, you know? Um, I mean, you look at the numbers, whatever. It was interesting. My wife was at the dentist, and her dentist is from Russia, and she said... Like, they still have a lot of friends over there. And she said, you know what? They didn't do anything. They let people live their lives. All of my friends got COVID. And he said, a few people in the country died from it. And it's over. It's done. That's how it is. That's how the world works. You know, the the World Health Organization, the, the world death rate remains a constant 100%. Every person will die. And this whole, this whole verbiage that one is too many right? One life to COVID-19 is too many to lose. I'm sorry, that that is the biggest crock of shit going because if that were the case, you would outlaw everything. You would outlaw cars because if one person dies in a car accident, that is too many. So why is it, why is it that one person from COVID is more valuable or more important than the hundreds and thousands that die a day in car accidents, right? One is too many then stop selling candy bars, you morons. Stop selling high-fat foods because people die of heart attacks more than they die of COVID-19. One is too many. Easy, and you know the other thing, easy, too? Easy, easy. Don't take away no, Snickers. That, <laughs> no, I, one is too many, Todd, haven't you heard? One is too many. <laughs> it depends on the one. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You know what? Maybe sometimes it's worth going for, right? <laughs> like, well, you look at the world these idiots are creating. It's like, shoot, give it to me. Why would I want to stick around here for much longer? <laughs> well, I mean, Russia. I mean, you look back uh, not quite 100 years ago, and their illustrious leader, there was a, an, a, a some sort of health epidemic there. And they were like, you know, the more people that die, the less people we have to feed. <laughs> and that was his uh, philosophy on it. So, yeah, you know, just saying. Yeah. People can, people have a hard time accepting their own mortality. And, um, and, the, and the fact that death is a part of life, like things come, things go. Like, are we going to make summer go forever because we don't want leaves to turn brown? And if if one leaf falls off a tree and dies, it's too many. It's like, come on. Like, like it's, there's a cycle of life, right? Get your head out of your butt. I mean, just, it's so silly. It's so stupid. It's for ding dang donkulous is what it is. Um, well, one more thing I was going to say. I forget. What we have a, We've had politicians in office in Washington, D.C. that thought if you put too many Navy people on one end of Guam, it would flip over. Uh, <laughs> they thought islands floated. All right. That's how stupid mm. they were. Uh, we have politicians in Washington, D.C. that. Oh, God, what was the other? Oh, why do you need to kill animals? 
just go to the grocery store for your meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you just say that out loud, you idiot? Yeah. Where do you think grocery store food comes from? Yeah. I just would rather have an a- eat an animal that lived a wonderful life in a beautiful forest and is healthy meat and enjoyed all the wonderful things that come with being an animal and didn't have to die a decrepit uh, disease that animals get when they get old, like waste, uh, chronic wasting disease or something, you know? Or a- animals that die of old age, man, it's, it's a miserable life for them. They starve to death and they just look like rib cages walking around with some fur on them, you know? It's like, oh, it's so funny. You know what? I just quickly thought people that always are against hunting. I'll tell you this. Uh, I remember the first deer that I shot. I shot it with a bow and, um, I'd gone hunting for, I think two or three years in a row and I didn't get a single thing. I mean, I've got a lot of friends that are big into hunting, but they're, they're, it's kind of like fishing people, right? They won't tell you their best spots and, and none of my friends are like, no, sorry, we, we've got our hunting group. We're not looking for anybody else. I'm like, are you kidding me? You won't take me hunting. You won't teach me how to hunt. Nobody would teach me how to hunt. So I had to figure out on my own. And, um, finally, I think it was the third year of bow hunting and I'm talking like I would go out 17 times a season, right? Like I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out this Saturday morning at my dad's place, hunt around. I'm going to go out after work. I'm going to put a lot of effort into it and learned a lot along the way, but I finally got my first deer and I thought I'm doing everything myself. So I got it, field dressed it, hauled it into my dad's shop and hung it for a couple of days. I packed the cavity with ice, wrapped it in a tarp. It was already kind of getting cool. So the, the meat wasn't spoiling, but I just wanted to age it a little bit. And then I butchered it. And the amount of work it took to break down that meat, to trim that meat, to package, seal it, freeze it, turn, you know, some of it into jerky, turn some of it into sausage. I used to go to a restaurant and I would always order the biggest steak they had just because that's a manly thing to do. And sometimes I'd be full or I wanted to have room for a big dessert. And I would leave like a quarter of a steak and it didn't matter how much I paid for. We could be at a nice keg restaurant or something. Who cares? And I would just be like, I'm just going to leave it. And after I killed that deer and I did all that work myself, I cut those steaks when we were packaging up the backstrap. I cut them to like half of the size I thought I would eat at one time. Because I'm like, I am not wasting one single ounce of this meat. I have worked so hard for this meat. And ever since that's happened, it's entirely changed my appreciation for food. Because if you just go to the grocery store and you, you put it in your basket and you pay you have a completely distorted view of what goes into food. And that's a fact. Same thing, even if you don't want to get that going. Plant a garden. Plant a little garden. Grow some carrots, some onions, some potatoes, and just see what goes into putting food on your table. Oh, you know? God. Everything has a right to live. Everything. Grow a garden. You will be so anti-insect, it's not even funny. Yeah, that's right. I tried growing something like spinach or lettuce. Like, good luck. That's that's why we don't grow that stuff ourselves because it's just too much. It's too much. If it's deep down in the ground, at least it's only a couple worms that's you know that are going to get into your crap. But oh, we've tried growing kale and this and that, and it's just spinach. Oh my goodness, it's not, you can't do it. Um, and that's you know people that are that that have never done that that, that like grow up in cities and <laughs> they put dreadlocks on the. Uh, man, they just don't have the full view, right? Like, it, like, like for myself, I understand. Like, I've also driven down uh, from where was I going? I was going from Oakland to 
Bakersfield, I think. And I, there's one highway in California, the main one of the main highways in the south there that you drive down, and it's like miles and miles and miles of this feedlot. And it's disgusting. Like you look out and you see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of cows. And when I see these uh, you know, social justice warriors look at that and be opposed to that, I agree with them. I do not appreciate that in any way, shape, or form. But at the same time, you know, I've done the work of, I've butchered my own animals that I've raised. We've raised pigs and, and cows. I've bottle-fed cows. And you see how much work is involved. And, and there's a certain balance, right? Like, I don't think these mass feedlots are the way to go. But part of the reason people do that is because, you know, they just want to be able to walk into their grocery store and have a really high-end cut of meat. And they just want to, like they say, buy it. And and them seeing those feedlots, you know, in a certain sense is probably kind of like me shooting and, and gutting and dressing out a deer and butchering that deer. It's like, holy crap, there's a, I don't know, it's, it's different because I understand the amount of work that goes into meat, so I certainly don't want to waste it, you know. And then when you see these feedlots, it's like, okay, that's what you call corporate America, right? That's some corporation trying to make millions of dollars, you know. Um, I don't really know where I was going with that beyond that point, but. I see where people see stuff like that or these chickens that are raised without sunlight. I'm not, I'm not for that. I do believe that's animal cruelty, you know. But I think we need to be as individuals say, you know what, if I want to eat meat, it's going to take a little bit more work. And I think you can ethically eat meat, you know. Um, around here, we've got feedlots, but they're nothing like that. Like, And generally, all of our feedlots here are just for finishing and for sortation, right? Like everything's out in the field. They're, you know, out in the grass, not necessarily grass-fed beef, but, you know, they're out in the fields. And then once they're done, like five days from slaughter, they'll take them to a feedlot. They'll give them a certain diet, kind of fatten them up just for a couple of days and they can sort them and boom, done. Right. Well, that's what um, an original feedlot was. You know, you would yeah. leave your ranch with all of your cattle. You would go up to the selling and processing center like Kansas City or Chicago you put them in the feedlot, right, where they would rest after the journey, um, rehydrate, you know, refatten up a little, get sorted, and then sold. It was the final mm-hmm. stop. It wasn't where they were raised. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. If people are... I think the one of the when I think about okay what's what's happening like why are people like these activists and stuff ultimately it's a matter of personal responsibility you know like uh, you know what I believe we should look after our environment and I believe that we should do things to um you know keep the world clean and at the same time I realize that if I want to have zero pollution like like the biggest lie is carbon neutral <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're using electricity in any way, shape, or form, you are not carbon neutral. Not. If there's any plastics involved, if there's any rubbers involved, you know, like like tires, like Formula One says they want to be carbon neutral by whatever time. It's like, are you guys, out? you guys are, you're fully retarded. Like, you're stupid. <laughs> Those tires are not carbon neutral. They can't be. You know, and it's just like, okay, let's let's take this away. Let's realize that everything we do has an energy cost to it. Everything. Even if you wanted to live naturally and you lived in a grass hut, well, if you killed that grass, that somehow impacted its ability to do something and, and take nutrients from the ground and turn it into plant material. And you know what I mean? 
if you start a campfire in the middle of a field, you're creating carbon, right? Like you're affecting. So no matter what we do, we're going to have an impact. But if we look at it and honestly say, okay, if I go to Walmart today and I buy these fuzzy slippers and these video games for my kids and this and this and this, I'm really doing a major, major whammy, right? Whereas like, what do I actually need today? You know what? I don't really need any of that stuff. I've got some board games at home or what's more, maybe I'll go to the thrift shop and buy something that's already been manufactured, already been purchased, already had taxes paid on it and already used. And we can keep that out of a landfill and we can use it now. Or these people that are environmentalists and they buy new vehicles every several years. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Okay. So when it comes to those rules, I mean, I'm not an environmentalist, but I'm doing way better job than them because I bought a 2002 Honda Civic for 5,000 bucks. I paid cash for it and I've kept it running. I've got 330,000 kilometers on it and I feel fully confident to drive that from one end of this country to the other. And you know what? Most people would have thrown that into the scrapyard by now. They'd have wasted energy to crush it down and turn it into some, you know, some rebar that they can get, you know, 50% recycling out of. And then I'd have gone and bought a brand new one that would have had to been recycled, right? It's like, oh, if you want to be environmentalist, drive used cars and drive them for as long as you can. Oh, yeah, but no, but I don't want to do that. It's a status symbol. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. I drive a Tesla. I'm so environmentally savvy. <laughs> Sorry, your Tesla's got years to go before it's half as clean as my 2002 Civic running on fossil fuels, if you want to call them that. You know, it's personal responsibility. People can't handle it. Can't take it anymore. This is the grumpy old men's show, isn't it, Todd? <laughs> yes, two old curmudgeons. <laughs> two surly old men. was on my lawn on the other day. What's well, that? we said we were going to call it two surly men. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. Well, you know, you think yeah. about uh, clean energy, you think about batteries. And when you think about batteries, you think about power tools. And you were talking about getting some new power tools. Yes. Okay. Um, so I'm a Milwaukee guy, fan. Um, I don't know. I had DeWalt, like, this was a long time. It was like two, early 2000s, probably when, like, everybody was starting to go to cordless DeWalt's and they were fairly new. And I know it's not fair because the technology is completely different today, but I probably had a set of tools. My dad bought it for me. I think it's actually before we were married. And I probably had it for 15 years. And then they were to the point where they would hardly turn. You'd pull the trigger and they wouldn't work. Fully worn out, lot, you know, definitely got all the money out of them. And then I bought Milwaukee. And I ever since then, I'm just like, I like the weight. I like the ergonomics. And uh, I bought a set of uh, the 18 volt, the driver impact, con like screwdriver and the drill combo, whatever. And then I still have that one, still works great, but I need some new batteries because the batteries are getting a little old. So I got those. And then when I was in there, they had an angle grinder on sale. And I'd always thought these cordless angle grinders were a bit of a spoof. I'm like, come on, how good could they be, right? I mean, I've got Right now, I've got four corded angle grinders. I always like to have them set up with a cutoff disc, a grinding wheel, flap wheel, and then like a Scotch-Brite wheel, right? And there, there's a time when, I mean, I use these these grinders uh, when I bought them. I probably used them three hours every single day. And the the hassle of switching out different wheels, it was just way too much time. And um, I don't use them that much anymore. Um, I always have to go like dig them out. It's like, oh, okay, I got to cut this piece of steel. You know, if I'm cutting a knife out of a certain type of stainless steel, um, 
like 440C or CPM 154. I can't do that in my metal bandsaw. And I thought, you know what? I should just invest in one of these. And it was on sale, so I got it. And I can't believe how incredible it is. Um, have you ever used a cordless angle grinder? I have one. I, I bought a set of DeWalt uh, just because I got an incredible deal on them. All brand new. <clears throat> anyway. They're awesome, aren't they? <sighs> no. Yes, they are, but no, they're not in the same same breath. Ergonomically, is it because they're huge, and the weight of the battery is in the wrong place. I'll just go get my nice small Walter that plugs into the wall. That's you know perfectly ergonomic, lighter, faster, you know, stronger, better. You know. Yeah, see, if you've got a Walter, that's that's a premium angle grinder. Yeah. It'd be hard to beat that, but also the DeWalt. How old is your DeWalt? Because they've they've changed a lot. Like the ergonomics. I think it's about I, a year old. That's one thing that impressed me. It's about a year old. Really? So, yeah. Oh wow! You hang a five really amp like hour battery on the one. end of that thing, and it's like unwieldy. But anyway, huh? That's funny. And it's like that, twice that as long stuff. as my Walter. But anyway, if you need yeah. a if you need it away from the cord, you need it right now just to do something quick. It's fantastic. It's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, and that, that's the biggest thing. It's not like ever like, oh, okay, I've got to go take a four by eight sheet of, you know, one eighth inch stainless steel and cut it into like 170 knives outside. I don't, you know, usually when I'm doing it, it's like, oh, I, I have five minutes of work to do with this grinder. And it takes you a minute to get your extension cord, plug it in. Whereas if you just grab it out of the drawer and start going, it's awesome. You know, I always leave a, a fresh battery on there. And it's like, even for something like as simple as like, oh, shoot. I, I lost the key for this padlock on, on something that's, that I had locked up, right? I just met, done, <laughs> you know, problem solved. I don't have to run a cord. Um, oh, they're sweet. And then uh, other tools. Have you ever used the cordless die grinder? No. Oh, 100% worth the money. I, I don't know who all makes them, um, but Milwaukee, again, I, I, for my birthday, I got the M12 series uh, drill and driver. And I really like them. That size is so much nicer for small little things around. And they're also, you know, they're, they're not massive difference in size, but it's enough that I can stand to leave my driver sitting on my workbench. And it, it's not big enough that it feels like it's in the way. Whereas my bigger one, I mean, if that's there, it just drives me nuts, right? So I've got a little spot and I leave this thing. So, oh yeah, you know how many things have a Phillips on them? I got to, you know, change the the hose, suction hose on my dust collector, or do this or do that. It's so nice just to grab it and it's always ready. And so I got that for my birthday, that set. It's really fantastic. And then I bought this die grinder. Oh my goodness, that thing is incredible. That that's something like I, I've got three die grinders, uh uh two ninety degree die grinders, you know, for my compressor and then a straight die grinder. I don't know if I'm ever gonna use any of those again. And I've got one of mine as a snap on. This thing it's it's awesome. Like if you're die grinding, like I was grinding out some welds the other day. Actually, this video is going to come out tomorrow. I was building that welding bench, and just the way these legs sit, I had a little clearance issues, and I don't think I actually show it in the video. Uh, but I had to grind a little bit of a inside corner weld out, and so I put my little burr on there. I probably get seven to ten minutes like of solid grinding time on one small battery. And if, you, if you've done die grinding work, like 10 minutes of die grinding, that's a lot of die grinding, right? Usually when you're in there, you're in there for like a minute and you're done. You know what I mean? If you're making a hole bigger or something like that. But 
that that is a tool, especially at Die Grinder. I'm like, okay, how come I didn't? I've known of this tool for five years. I've known people that have had this for five years. Why did I not buy one of these? Because it's something almost every day since I bought it, I've had it for like maybe a week, week and a half. I've used it almost every single day. It is so handy. Yeah, once you've used <clears> a real <throat> die grinder for a job, you know you know the difference there is in die grinders. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then uh well, well, you know, once once you start you know it's funny cuz at our Home Depot here, uh Milwaukee has two full aisles like fronts of the aisles and then dewalt has one aisle uh rigid has one aisle and i was talking to the guy at home depot who's helping me find some stuff and he said that they get a milwaukee guy um one week he comes in two days a week and the next week he comes in three days and every time he comes he's got a new product and they came in just before Christmas and completely reorganized their shelves in there. And he said, what are you going to do with all these spaces? He goes, you just watch. He goes, we're releasing almost a new tool every week for like this year or something. The the, the options that they have is just insane. And um, so anyways, they had a deal on a 3.8 Stubby Impact in the M12. So I got one of those. <laughs> it's got like 290 foot pounds of torque. So it busts the lug dots off your vehicles. It's just not, and it's so small. And then uh, I've got a, a shop vac that's like on a cart with the uh, dust deputy and stuff, but I got one of their cordless vacuums too on the 12 system. And uh, man, that is a nice little, nice, you know, you do something, it's like some some little thing, you make a little bit of mess and it's not enough that I want to get out my whole vacuum, but I can just, done, five minutes, you know, 30 seconds, I'm done. It's slick as a whistle. And those are my, uh, those are my recent tool purchases that I've had. Cool. Yeah. yeah All the things have, that I got uh, them, I'm like, why didn't I get these before? But. Yeah. I got uh, the little drill, uh, M, uh, not the M12, but the 12-volt Milwaukee. Uh, I've got the quarter-inch and three-eighths-inch ratchets, 12-volt. Uh, yeah. How do, you, how do you like those? Love them. I was, I was shocked how much torque these things have. They don't turn very fast, but the torque, oh, my Lord. Huh. And, yeah, and that man, that's cool. I, I have a friend that had one. I tried it once, and I I'm, I was looking at that, too. I'm like, there's only so many tools I can buy at one time, but <laughs> those are on my list. I'm glad to hear that you like them. Yeah, they they've, those have come a long way because I used uh, somebody, el- uh, somebody else's cordless ratchet about four or five years ago, and it sucked. And I oh, got really? this one uh, because, you know, uh, the technology in DC motors has just jumped every yeah. couple of months, it seems. And, yeah. uh, and we get to thank Mr. Dyson for that. Uh, this is true. And uh, I, I've, I've been impressed. So That's cool. Yeah, you know, I, I've got a, a snap-on, no, I should say I had a snap-on 3.8 air ratchet. And I could see maybe if you're in like a tire shop, right, or an automotive shop where everything's on a lift and a hoist and you're kind of, I don't know, it's like ideal working conditions. Having a hose off the end wouldn't be bad. But when I have mine, I found it was such a pain. I'd get it out. I'd have, you know, say I was taking apart a lawnmower, you know, 
I'd get it out, and, and this one I had was a super high-speed one. I think I paid like 500 bucks for a stupid ratchet. But the cord on the end of it was such a pain in the butt that so many of the times I'd be like, you know what, my air compressor's full of air. I've got a reel sitting right there, but I'm just going to get my ratchet, my old school <laughs> ratchet, and do it manually because that hose was such a pain. And that, to me, I think is one of the... You, you get one of those that's cordless. I'm like, oh, okay, wow, now this is complete game changer in my opinion like man i don't even think of them as the same if you can get a cordless ratchet uh as opposed to like an air ratchet oh man they're so different to use uh so one, one thing is definitely on my list it's just completely different world isn't it it is you know if i'm doing uh, tires or uh really big bolts that are like on farm equipment or heavy equipment air has its place still yeah, but yeah, for sure. Just under the hood of a Civic or my Toyota, cordless ratchet is the way to go. Yeah, but I'm also yeah, a bit still sure. a big fan of the old speed handles. So, I oh yeah, those. yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, speed handles. Oh yeah, like the the auger type thing, like an ice auger, the two handed thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are cool. I I have some of those in my toolbox. I never use them, but I can never get rid of them. Well, we used to use them so much on the airplanes uh, because there's one panel, you're going to have 300 screws on it. Uh, and you couldn't use uh, cordless tool, the cordless tools of the day back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because they were brushed and you can't, nope, they have an open spark, can't have them run the airplane, you know. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. So it was either air tools and only certain air tools. Yeah, you know, and because uh, the the air tools that we used at that time, they all had different uh, motor driver mm -hmm. elements in it that were bronze or brass instead of steel. Uh, mm -hmm. So there was no chance for spark uh, of any kind. But anyway, yeah, that's crazy. I remember here learning about that in school we had to do a little bit on like air tools and stuff and and they said certain environments require more at that time they're using like different phenolic materials and stuff yeah. that's yeah it's interesting something you never think about unless you've kind of worked in those hazardous situations you know that's cool yeah um well i learned that uh there's a piece of test equipment that we used that had a form of brush in it, and instead of carbon-based brushes, they use phenolic-based with this weird material in it. And it's about half as much to, uh, half as, as expensive to process. And it conducts about twice as much electricity. Oh, wow. I'm like, why, why isn't this in everything? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not that guy, but yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. That's funny. How about you, anything uh, new and exciting, tools wise, or what you're up to right now? Well, you know, the last tool experience I had was with that generator, and mm -hmm. good God, we had our power outage in my when we moved into the place two years ago. My father-in-law gave me his. Uh, large generator it's a he bought from home depot an arians generator with a yamaha engine okay and it's been a great little generator 
great, awesome. Until mm. you let it sit for two years with bad gas in it. Uh. And now I couldn't get it to start to save my life. So I was going to take it apart, clean the uh, carburetor out. But when you're without power, I don't know what it does to guys, but being in an emergency is the right thing to do is stop everything you're doing, take it completely apart, clean it like you would normally, put it back together and see if it works. Oh, no, we want to take shortcuts along the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just going to try this because I need power now, right? So you just try to clean it with, you try to start it with ether or, you know, engine starter. That's not going to work. Yeah. But you try it. And then you spray carburetor cleaner down the carburetor. Try it right away. Doesn't work. So you spray carburetor cleaner in it. Let it sit for a while. That doesn't yeah. work. So then you take it apart a little bit more. Try to do all that stuff all over again. Doesn't work. Yeah. Then you take it apart, clean it, put it back together. And you're squirting uh, carb cleaner in it. And the little red straw pops off the end down the intake. Oh, no. <laughs> I can still see it a little bit. So now I'm looking for my picks so I can, you know, drag it out, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I get interrupted. And I have to go do something else. I come back. I'm still looking for my pick. And then I have to do something else. You know, 45 minutes goes by. Three or four other things go by. Your wife's talking to you. And she asks you this question about how long the charger has to sit on it before you could re, you know, try it again. And you reach up mm. and you hit the electric start by accident with the <laughs> straw still in the intake and it sucks it down in there. And now you can no longer see it. You're like, Oh, oh. crap. <laughs> I know it went past the intake. Uh, so now I have to take the head off. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. So then I finally get the head off, and there it is, mangled, right, sitting on top of the piston head, perfectly yeah. mangled, you sh horseshoe-shaped red straw. <laughs> yeah. Probably didn't do any damage, though, did it? Absolutely <laughs> Just, none. It passed yeah, that valve in an instant because the, as much air, it's a one-cylinder, so oh, wow. it, it sucks so much air so fast. Yeah. All it did was wrap it around the inside of the... A cylinder wall and did no damage. It's just plastic, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the hardened uh, valve, it's not going to do any damage to, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's just a, so, so what? And I think they, they started with a cylinder, a piston, put the cylinder around it, and built everything on the whole generator around the piston because I had to take the, well, I already had the carb off. Now I have to take the all the heat shielding off, and then the exhaust, oh, wow. and then this thing and that other thing to get the head off. It just it's only a one cylinder one. little Yamaha. The whole thing's you know five inches square. Why do I have yeah. to disassemble this whole stupid generator anyway? Yeah, and and a headache, huh? Yeah, finally get it off, inspect everything, put it all back together. Still doesn't work, so. I went to, oh, no. and you have options to like on eBay or Amazon to buy Chineseium uh, cloned carburetors. But I'm just one of those guys that 
Yeah, let me go to the. It, yes, it's going to cost an arm and a leg, but I need this generator, so I'll buy a hundred and eighty dollar stupid Yamaha one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because those Chinese stuff, eh? clones—they always have something different on them. Yeah, yeah, like a hole something that you got to remount. You know, something. Something. Like yeah. on the ones I was looking at, the jets were different in different mm-hmm. locations. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I just ordered one from Yamaha. And uh, by the time it gets here, I won't need it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get it fixed up and it'll sit for two years. And then you need it again and <laughs> it won't oh, start God, right. No. Oh, God, no. What I'm going to do this time is I'm going to get it working or not. You know, if I get it working, what I'm going to do is immediately drain the tank. Yeah. And uh, so there's no gas anywhere remotely around this generator until I need it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way. You know, it's either that or um, I remember my dad, whenever he had equipment, like in the wintertime, he would start. It was just a little push more for the city, but he would start it up in the wintertime when the days wasn't too cold. Like he stored it outside, but we'd get above freezing. And, uh, you know, once or twice a winter, he'd just fire that thing up and let it run for a couple minutes. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, preventing rust. Got to get some oil up in the cylinders. And uh, and then keeps the carbs from gumming up too. You know, I mean, now we, it's, it's worse now with our, like our, the, the ethanol gas that we have now. I think the old gas was a lot better for him, but... um. Yeah, my dad would always do that. And I, I do that too sometimes. You know, like I'll go start up my tractor a couple times in the winter, even though I have no, I'll just start it, let it idle there, let it come up to temperature and then shut it off. And you got you got to do that. Or like you say, completely drain everything, drain the carburetor. Um, yeah. Or you, you're, use the stable fuel stabilizer. Yes. That's supposed to help out. I, I've never, I, I use it every winter, but I've also left my vehicle sit, or not my vehicles, my utility engines i've let them sit all winter long like my pressure washer and stuff without starting them and they they start just fine so i don't know i've never left them long enough to know if it makes a difference or not but i'd imagine it does a couple years ago i had my carburetor and my push lawnmower the same issue but it only sat for like 45 days yeah i think it was 47 days that it sat in the uh, ethanol gas ruined the carburetor right oh wow well, yeah. I have a, and that's a Briggs and Stratton motor on a Craftsman mower. And I have a Honda, uh, a Honda pressure washer. Everything on it built by Honda. Hmm. I've let that thing sit for two years and it starts up on the first pull. Really? I'm like, come on, come on. Yeah. There's got to be, yeah. a, you know, they, they talk about public safety and, you know, we do stupid things to just to make people feel better instead of actually fixing the problem. Ethanol gas is one yeah. of those. It ruins so much stuff that then you have to remanufacture. So then there's more carbon being built. <laughs> yeah. You know, just give us old gas that doesn't ruin stuff, and just tell people yeah. to be more fuel efficient. People not putting water in your gas, idiots. Yeah, that's funny. I never thought about that. That's, that makes a lot of sense. There's an entire Chineseium industry cloning carburetors because yeah. ethanol gas. Yeah. 
And you know, you the, know the uh, funny thing too when you. Th- uh, I'm sorry. We had a small engine repair guy in the town in Maryland I lived in, who was going out of business, and then I didn't think anything of it because I passed his shop every day, right, going back yeah. and forth to work. Then one day he had a new front on his store and some other stuff, and I needed something, so I stopped because he also sold parts as well as fixing engines. And I stopped, and I was talking to him. I said, yeah, weren't you going out of business at one time? He goes, yes, I was saved by ethanol gas. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Yeah. Hmm. That's crazy. Uh, you know, like I, I was just thinking about when you are saying with the uh, whole Chinese industry reproducing carburetor parts. The other thing that, that it, you know, it's only the Western culture that, that is big on environmentalism, right? Like nobody in China, nobody in India, nobody's over there cares or does anything about it. But but the thing is, if you start a whole industry based on a decision that we make over here and they're manufacturing stuff over there, when they don't care about it, the way that they manufacture is 10 times worse than we manufacture here, right? Yes. Uh, from both an environmental as well as a human <laughs> human rights standpoint, you know, like um, if, if we set up a shop and we're manufacturing carburetors, I mean, you would have all the, the zoning stuff. You'd have rules and regulations and, okay, what are you doing with your waste and this and this and blah, blah, blah. We'd have all this stuff set up, and it's an inconvenience to the manufacturer, but it does a pretty darn good job at making sure that it, it's fairly clean, right, that the impact is minimal. But people are like, oh, I'm not going to pay for that carburetor that was manufactured here because of ethanol gas. I mean, that's like a $150 carburetor. I can get one for $30 on Amazon. Ah, okay, there you go. So you really don't care about your environment. Gotcha. You know, we just need to look at things and, and tell the truth and, and bear the truth in the face, stare at it and be like, oh, OK, I'm making this decision that uh, honestly, what's more important to me? The almighty dollar. Huh, you and China and India and Walmart and everybody else that's destroying the planet, <laughs> you know, and oil and gas. Good. Oh, cool. Gotcha. Here's a, <laughs> here, here's a real example for you on just smoke and mirrors of that industry, the heavy equipment industry, right? I, I won't say what manufacturer, but they're a big manufacturer uh, based in Sweden. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, in North America, we, you know, a lot of dentists drive their cars. Uh, and they also make heavy equipment, you know, excavators, uh, everything, right? And in their mm-hmm. brand new ISO 9000 plant in Korea, their plant is immaculate, Right. It looks like they mm-hmm. do everything right there. And you go and you're a big YouTuber and you use their equipment and you go over there for a factory tour and they tell you parts of the factory you can t- um, put on video and some you can't. Uh, and it's odd that the most environmentally impactful parts of the plant, yeah, those you can't film. Uh, mm. But, but, but all of the waste from the plant they just dig a hole and bury it wow we're worried about the interior of the plant being iso 9000 and then you just go bury your crap in the ground yeah without regard you know yeah well you know one thing i've heard too and if if you look into it people will say oh yes i'm recycling my plastic I've heard that it's only 10% of plastics that are brought in for recycling can actually be recycled because the rest of them are too contaminated. Like depending well, most, on what was in them, they'll never be able to recycle it again. Like water bottles and, are great because it's water. 
as far as I understand right, it, no, as far as I understand it, petroleum-based plastic can be recycled, you know, a certain amount of times. Yeah. The synthetic plastics are the ones that can't be recycled and will be plastic in 10 million years. Huh. It's interesting. And there's like these so, floating it, islands so, of plastic waste in the ocean. Yep, and most of that will be plastic forever. But yeah, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if uh, if Elon wanted to impress Todd, he would uh, build two enormous electrical powered or solar powered ships with a big skimmer in between like a big pulse skimmer to go out and clean the ocean instead of trying to get to the moon but yeah yeah he didn't ask me that's all yeah no oh well he's the richest man in the world now solar is our only hope for clean energy and people don't care about it do you think it is Based on our intelligence and industrial capability right now, because look at what, you know, I've talked about it offline, but, you know, look at what the clean energy of uh, electric cars and everything is doing to earth that people don't see Mm -hmm. and don't care about. Mm -hmm. Uh, So move that off the table with the cats. Um, You know, uh, these wind farms are not, environmentally friendly they're not carbon neutral because the manufacturing process to make the things uh i think you said that each windmill would have to operate for over 100 years before it's just buys back its manufacturing harm yep. Yep. Uh, the there's a solar farm out in arizona that it was Built with new, newer solar technology, that's cheaper yep. to build, easier to build. It uses man, a lot of recycled materials. Mm-hmm. It's the about the most efficient we have right now, uh, and we need to focus on that. You know, yeah. instead of because uh, one of the I I just bought a uh, gas bottle for my welder. You know, 75% argon, 25% carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. And it was way more expensive than I, be- I believe I remembered it used to be. So I did some research on why noble gases are so expensive right now. It's just stupid space exploration is one of them. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> That's dumb. Yeah. So our trades uh-huh. are suffering because Elon wants a big ego. Yeah, yeah. He's a crazy guy, that guy. And the second thing you can do to impress me, Elon, is change your freaking name. You don't Elon like that name? Musk, really? <laughs> He's funny. You know, when I look at him, and I never knew this, so it's always kind of odd, but he grew up in Saskatchewan, right? Like, he was, he was born in South Africa, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, 
And I think like when his one, he, his family moved back to Saskatchewan. He grew up on a farm in Saskatchewan. And it's, it's when I when I hear that, it makes sense because I've got a couple friends that have grown up on farms in Saskatchewan and they're they're a little different. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like uh, the, the guy who's my best man at my wedding, he's from Saskatchewan and uh, absolutely unequivocally the most incredible fabricator I've ever met in my life, ever. You know, he went home to his, his parents' place one winter and it was really cold and he had this old motorbike, an old Yamaha 440C uh, twin. And he thought, you know, I don't have a quad. I'd, I'd be better off with a quad than a motorbike. And so he spent three days with a stick welder and whatever steel his dad had and he built a quad. And we would go ride that thing. I built a dune buggy before I got married, like when I was doing my apprenticeship. And man, that quad would go anywhere. And he abused the crap out of that. We'd go like six hour trips along the canals. I'd be on my dirt bike. He'd be on his homemade quad. And he was just one of these guys. You literally give him a pile of materials and he'll just look at it. He won't say much. He won't measure too much, but he'll just incredible. Um, but same thing. He was kind of a, it's kind of an odd guy, uh, but grew up in Saskatchewan. So when I, when I see Elon Musk, I'm like, ah, you know, he is very, uh, he thinks differently. Right. Uh, you know, intelligence is such a hard thing. Or he's very smart. It's kind of a hard thing to say, but he's very unique and, and very different. And obviously, I mean, he's done some things right because you, you could never become the richest man in the world by being a moron. Now, do I necessarily agree with what he does and how he thinks? No, but <laughs> uh, a lot of people do, you know, <laughs> more people do than don't probably. I don't know, but it's funny to, th- to hear yeah. that he's from Saskatchewan. Well... Um, it's interesting that, oh, never mind. I won't go there. Okay. (laughs) You know, we're actually at an hour and 13 minutes or so. Might be a good place to wrap up the crotchety old man's surly (laughs) grumbling podcast. Yes. (laughs) With a slight sprinkling of tools and generators in there (laughs) just to keep people from hitting the unsubscribe button. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's good. I enjoy it. It's good conversation. Yeah, to, to, if someone of the of the left leaning variety were to help us edit this show, they might they might name it um, "Hate Speech and Humiliating Mechanics." But anyway. yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's funny. Well, uh, anything uh, you want to recommend, or any anything else you want to do to close us out, or we good to let her go. You know what? I I like the <clears throat> I like to say this to Fronius Welding. You know, it's great that you give equipment to YouTubers, right? To get your for marketing purposes. But instead of giving it to successful millionaire YouTubers, why don't you give it to a small channel that needs it? Like Todd's Workshop. Yeah. Yes, like Todd's Workshop. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, seriously, you know, a channel the size of yours or smaller, you know, not a successful contractor that's a millionaire that hides it. Yeah, yeah. Just saying. Just saying. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. Um, well, you know what? Let me see something. I haven't heard. Uh, oh God! I, yes, yeah, there was something I wanted to throw in here since we uh, have picked on him quite a bit. Uh, Andrew was at it again oh, in his he? N- newest video. Uh, 
Yeah, I need to fix my uh, snowplow because I ripped it off the front of my truck being a moron. <clears throat> so, you know, and most of what he did to fix it was, you know, farmish. You know, he welded a yeah. hole on a hydraulic accumulator. You know, that's always yeah. what we do, right? Is yeah. oh, weld up a. Yes. <laughs> oh, you know, I watched that one. And then yeah, I, I, I need to put a radio in my truck, knowing I bought one too big for it. So I'm going to cut a hole in my truck with a gas powered chainsaw. Oh. Again, because I got yeah. so many views on the other video where I cut a hole in my truck with a chainsaw. That's funny. That's so funny. You know, because I, I, I remember, like, I, I think in the beginning, he was actually just one of these guys. It's like, well, we just have to get it done no matter what. And I, as long as it works, I don't care. But I think he's realized that people were interested and he's gone a little bit uh, goofy with it. You know what I mean? He's gone a little bit. Over the top. I yes. don't know. Oh, no. I, I imagine that the only reason he cut a hole in his truck with a chainsaw this time was due to the reaction last time. Good, bad, or indifferent, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, because the way he said it, oh, look, you know, this one's four inches. Guess I'll have to cut a hole in my, you know. Yeah. Really? Sorry, Todd. Yeah, yeah. Did you? I mean, hear sure, that truck. Noise? You can do whatever you want, but yeah. don't make it appear that one is normal or two. It's even remotely the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah, he's crazy. Like it or not, there are people out there that will emulate you. Yeah. A bunch of he just made a bunch of morons running around, you know. Well, no, because there's another YouTuber that tries to be a little bit of Andrew Camerata and a little bit of uh, Let's Dig eighteen, but he does he Andrews everything. In fact, I have coined a phrase watching this guy. Oh, look, he's gonna Andrew it, you know. <laughs> yeah, but nothing this other guy does turns out right. Huh. You just know when he's going to, um, I bought a cheap vehicle to try to just use as a beater. It completely yeah. destroys this thing. Huh? Just Andrewing everything. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And my wife is like, why do you watch him? You scream at the TV every time. I said, that's why I watch it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a guy. That's what we do. Yeah. That's how, you know, my dad always says, I always get my exercise by flying off the handle and jumping to conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my exercise routine. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I've got a, I've got a recommendation. Um, this one's actually a real one. Uh, it's a small channel. It's called Paul Brody, B-R-O-D-I-E. Uh, he's a bicycle frame builder. And he also does work on motorbikes. I haven't, I've just watched, I, I think I've only watched like two of his videos, but you know, you, you'll watch two of them in a matter of like three days and then it keeps popping up. But he's an interesting guy. He's kind of a, kind of an odd fellow. 
but I, I don't know who does his videos, if he does them or if somebody's, because somebody's, it's handheld camera work, but some of the stuff he makes is pretty interesting and you can actually learn quite a bit. So I don't know. I'm really enjoying it. I, I like channels that are guys in the shop that are, so basically when he's doing a video, he'll, he'll kind of talk about what he's doing, but he's very kind of calm. He's an old, I don't know, he's probably like 55, 60, you know what I mean? He, he reminds me of a guy that would be like your old high school shop teacher. And he's just kind of hanging out and explaining what he's doing. So that might be a channel that some people might want to check out. Um, like I said, I've only watched a couple of his. I watched one, um, uh, how to make a bespoke belt sander from a week ago. It's got 22,000 views. And he actually makes one of those, you know, like a Dynafile? Yeah. He, yeah. He basically makes one of those. But it's just kind of neat. Like he's obviously a very talented uh, guy. He's got a lot of experience in machining and welding and stuff. So it's, it's kind of interesting. It kind of explains everything he's doing. So. Uh, you know, that'll I've be my one, recommendation. Um, just like that. Let me try to find him real quick. Uh, I, I found him through this old Tony recently. Okay, yep. Uh, this old Tony did a collaboration with this guy who's a pretty famous uh, car part body manufacturer guy with aluminum. Apparently, he's a guru. And now I've, okay. I've been watching him, and he's a serious fabricator oh my god huh yeah his uh collaboration with this old tony was a dustpan of all things okay um, yeah. but this guy made a work of art dustpan hmm. oh my god and then the ron Koval, c-o-v-e-l-l on Koval. Yeah. Okay, it's a pretty big channel, hey? Well, he is now. Uh, now that he did that collab with uh, this old Tony, he blew up a little bit. But, um, yeah, he made the, the pan part of the dustpan. Uh, just a work of art. And then this old Tony did a crappy knife handle for it i'm like really hmm oh i see that that's <clears throat> funny but i've watched huh. once i found him i went back uh he's done aluminum bike frames he's done uh motorcycle park a monolithic bike uh hmm. dashboard seat pans this rollation stuff he's been doing it oh my god it it's like hmm. It's like watching art. Yeah. But anyway. That's cool. I'm and the dude can aluminum TIG weld like a master. Oh, wow. that That's hard stuff. I've been working on that lately, and oh, my goodness. That's cool. I just subscribed to Ron Koval. And I, I we'll subscribed to uh, Brody because I saw some, like, teachy type stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. love that. But. Yeah, me too. I actually just hit subscribe to his channel now too. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> right on. Um, well, we will have these uh, links in the show well, notes. For I, I have another channel I can recommend. How for many people who don't know it? Simple little life. Oh, subscribe. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything. Worth, I don't know if there's anything worth watching on there or not. No. Everyone who listens to this has to go to Simple Little Life and subscribe. Or Chuck Norris will come to your house and kill you. That's right. 
That's right, because we got in a fight once and I beat him, <laughs> and now he's my little. <laughs> Does my dirty yeah. work, yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. smack and him then, in the back of the head and make him eat his broccoli. All right, that's how I that's treat right. Chuck Norris. That's right. Um, <sighs> right on. And then you're getting uh, any any progress on your YouTube channels, your videos coming up for your channel, or no? I've got Kinda a couple other stuff going on. And I, I have some other stuff going on right now. Um, with heaters not working, uh, uh, trying to get some trades out here to do some work for me. I'm fighting. Uh, then my, we've had to, because of the weather up here, we've had some medical appoint, dental appointments canceled that we need to get mm. on. Uh, yeah. You know, stuff like that. Stuff. Uh, and right now we're dog sitting for my in-laws because they took a trip, a little road trip to Missouri, uh, Right on. Anyway, uh, but no, I've got a couple of videos in the can that would be like, uh, not time lapse, but those fast forward videos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple of coming up uh, that are going to be like unboxing and building those uh, that equipment I got. Uh, I want to film uh, since they do so, I think they're stupid, but they do well on YouTube for some reason. Unboxing videos. I've got a bunch of Tekton tools that I bought six, eight months ago that are still in the box. Oh, yeah. Right on. But I just got my tool boxes because I'll buy good tools because those are the that's where the rubber beats the road. Mm-hmm. I'll buy a cheap toolbox because that doesn't do any work for me. It's just a house for my tools, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I'm not going to buy a $4,000 Mac toolbox. Uh, no way. That money is best spent on tools. Yeah. I will wait until I have a Harbor Freight coupon or <laughs> yeah. something on Facebook Marketplace, you know, because mm-hmm. yeah. a toolbox will last forever yeah. unless it falls off a forklift uh, yeah, like mine did. But hmm. I, I will say, though. When I so when I was working at San Joe, um, you know there'd be eight guys working on one rig, and we'd all have our toolboxes kind of like on either side, and <clears throat> there's usually like one or two workbenches, which was a heavy steel welding bench, but for the most part we did a lot of work. Most guys did work on their toolbox with the stainless steel top, and I ended up getting a smoking deal. I got a Mac, it was a Tech One Thousand, I think it was. So how was that? Seventy some inches long. Basically with the big roll cabs. And yeah. I got off my brother-in-law because he ended up getting the kind that had the hutch on the top. And there is, so I bought this thing and it is a completely different world. And, you know, for home use, like I actually sold it because I never used half the tools once I moved here into our house. I mean, I let it sit at my dad's shop for like four years and I brought it here. I'm like, I'm not using these. I'd rather have a work, like a regular workbench where I can put stuff underneath it and, um, but if you're a mechanic on a daily basis where you're in and out, in and out, those are unbelievable. Like the the drawers, I could put my entire weight on the drawer and push myself in and it would just roll. Like it was incredible. And uh, using them on a daily basis every single day, if you're in and out of your toolbox 30, 50 times a day, there is a point where I think they are worth the money. But then again, that that's what you do, right? And that's why I think most like, full-time mechanics have a good toolbox. But for most homeowners, uh, even for me, I'm working in my shop all the time, but the tools that I use on a regular basis are on pegboard. 
And then all the other ones are things that's like once a week or maybe every two days I go get it or I open that drawer. Definitely, you know, the, the, the cheapos work 100% fine. But that's the one thing I would say is that nonstop use does make a difference. But I'm 100% oh, no, with you. Right. Th- th- there's a reason why I don't I can own buy that a, anymore. But, you know, I'm me and I'm, I've done it before. So I know it, what I what my capabilities are. And they're a little bit different than your normal homeowner. I've had bought yeah, a. I would say. No, I had bought a. Uh, not a Harbor Freight, but a like a Husky toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. And I changed the drawer slides on it to high end drawer slides, and that was still yeah. like two thousand dollars less than buying a Mac or Snap on toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. And I still I had the same slides, same thickness of sheet metal that they had. I just had the capability of doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then when I went to, when I was uh, getting my motorcycle mechanic certification, I'm sitting there with this, you know, Husky toolbox. And I had took the name off of it, but everybody knows what it is. And, you know, two or three other guys in the same class, they all got really nice toolboxes, but every drawer they have has one or two tools in it. Mm-hmm. Where I have this Husky toolbox and my tools are, my drawers are full. I've got yeah. all the specialty tools because I didn't waste all my money. And I say waste because might not might not be the best word, but that's the one I'm using. Mm-hmm. And I got my certification and went on about my business, and they're still learning because they didn't have the tools. They didn't have the, you know, oh, look at me. I got this really cool Ferrari with no engine. That's yeah. what I used yeah. to call it. Yeah. You know? No, I got a Ferrari engine and a Honda. Sorry. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no kidding yeah <laughs> i hear you and i'm i'm so anti-snap on it's not even funny because i know really? a little bit about the inside of the company yeah and and i found out like one line of their tools who it's really made by and for snap on huh and i just and I know a guy that works in their headquarters. He's a director of something, something. And I used to work with him in the Air Force, and he's a piece of, you know, dog poop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, I've anyway. had uh, I've had a lot of Snap-on because a boss bought them. But uh, my personal tools, I like the old Craftsman's that I bought, like, in the early 90s. You know, good stuff. Oh, I just, when I was unboxing all that uh, stuff from the uh, estate auction, the reason I bought it is the guy had snap-on stuff, and I saw, I mean, craftsman stuff, and I saw a shape of one of the ratchets, and I knew it was uh, post-war, World War II era craftsman, which is some of the best they ever made, Yeah, and they looked like new old stock, like he had just bought it and put it in his drawer and never used it. Oh, wow. And so I got the, like, five or six ratchets, uh, some speed handles, extensions, and a whole bunch of sockets. And uh, I finally unboxed them and put them away, and I'm like, oh, my God. The ratchet yeah. is like, click, 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 click. Oh, yeah, Just, that's nice. Oh, man. That's sweet. That's cool. You should put some pictures of that stuff up on the old Instagram. Oh, Instagram's on my list. Um, now yeah. that I found out about their the newest uh, change in their 
uh, end user agreement that you have to agree to mm-hmm. to use it. Yeah. It's buried way deep down inside, but you give them access to your phone. Huh. Because yeah. the app is on your device, they have access to other apps on the phone. Mm-hmm. So Except the, the new if they Apple, wanted to, Instagram could go look at your banking app. Yes, but, but the new Apple app, you give permissions, and so you can actually disable that from the phone itself. Uh, they say yeah, I just, right now. They, I'm, I know. I understand. I know. But Instagram is... Oh, it's, it's probably the he's, worst he's behind app it out there for privacy violation. Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny because people, are, some people are saying, or I guess we're kind of meandering on. We need to wrap this up, but uh, people are thinking that there's a possibility that uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram might actually do a someone like a non-trust lawsuit against Apple because Apple's put this feature in where you can, do you want to allow what they call it background so, something. Not phishing, like that's too strong a word, but background, uh, I forget what they call it, but Apple has, has enabled you so you can turn it all off with their new app, with their new update. And uh, they say that they say that in the first quarter, if every Apple user turned it off so that Facebook and Instagram couldn't see what else you're doing on your phone, like your Amazon, your this and that. In the first quarter, it's estimated that Facebook would lose $5 billion in revenue, in sales revenue from advertisers. That's how much they mine. I think you call it yeah. background mining or background information mining. That's how much they get. And that's why when you're on Amazon, you look at something on your phone. And then if you open up Facebook, that's like every other ad is that thing you just looked at. And that seller you just looked at, it's like, what? You know? Oh, God. So it's, my, it's kind of interesting. When my in laws come over, I have to watch what I say. Because yeah. they have a cheap ass droid or Android phone. And if I yeah. talk about something, if their phone is in the room, I start getting ads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What? They say ah. Facebook and, and Facebook slash Instagram and Google are the number one uh, companies that do that. They're the biggest players in that information mining. And and that's why they say like Android phones, Google phones, they they say every single thing you do is being watched and monetized. The the ultimate goal is just money. Like how can they use this to to make money, to sell money to people? And and they, they say that the one thing Apple's doing is that they're actually going the other way. They're saying, no, you know what? If you want that to happen, great. But every person should have the choice. So that, you know, you can have it so that there's not a single app that knows what the other app is doing. And they said that if that's your well, product, no. that's what you do. The reason Apple is pushing back is they want a piece of the pie. Could be that. No, it is that. I, I can tell you that with absolute certainty. I know a lot about the inside of Apple when it comes to information mining. Trust me. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately, we don't own any of this crap, right? You got an Instagram account, even the stuff you do on your phones, like, yeah, these are wonderful conveniences. You think what things were like in the 80s when you had to go to your bank, like even before like ATMs and drive-through banking, it's like you had to go up to the teller and you had to, you know, stand in line, be like, I'd like to deposit this check or, you know, now everything's so nice, it's take a picture of it and boom, you got your money in your bank account, but... What's the price of that? That that ain't free, you know. 
But yeah. anyways, we should wrap this show up right here. I think Todd, I gotta, I gotta get to work. I yep. gotta finish editing my video for tomorrow. And, uh, yeah. So where can people find you? Are you using the Instagram at all or no? I am on uh, Instagram as just me, uh, Todd Fuss. Todd Fuss. Right yeah. on. Uh, my YouTube channel is Todd's Workshop. Uh, I have one video right now. Yep, I've seen it. Um, my uh, uh, my goal is to have the, the absolute most subscribers of any channel with one video. <laughs> there you go. Let's no, help Todd reach that. I, 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 I'm... My goal is to have a good YouTube channel with yep. quality content, but, you know, time. Yep, time. It takes a while. YouTube is a two full-time jobs uh, for a good creator. You know, first job is making the video. Second job is editing. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's definitely a lot of work. But... All right. Right on. Well, you and your family, uh, be blessed and take care, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, folks. <laughs>